to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. Before I get into today's topic, I have just a quick announcement that I want to make. I am going to be releasing a brand new free training program called the Fall Fitness Kickstart for Creatives. Basically, this is going to be a one-month workout program that you can use to jumpstart your fitness goals this fall. I know the summer is a weird time for a lot of people. Depending on which area of the arts you work in or what you like to do for fun, you might have been doing a lot of traveling. Um, You might have done a lot of eating and drinking or partying, perhaps, if you're involved in nightlife. You probably were outside of your regular routines for a lot of the year. This is normal summer stuff. It's great to be outside and enjoy everything the season has to offer. However, a lot of times by the time Labor Day rolls around, many people are not feeling their best. They're feeling slow and sluggish. They feel weak and out of shape. They just know that they're not operating at their fullest capacity, both mentally and physically. A big part of getting back to where you want to be, which is feeling sharp and strong and fit and creative all day long, is recommitting to your fitness goals. Physical training really has such a big impact on how you feel day to day. And so if you're not doing it, you probably feel pretty shitty. You probably don't have much energy and then you feel like, oh man, like I feel terrible. I don't want to train. And so then you continue not to train and then the cycle only gets worse and worse. So if you're not feeling the best or if you just feel like, you know what, I sort of put fitness on the back burner for the last few months and enjoyed other things in my life and now I'm ready to recommit, this is exactly the program for you. I wrote this program with the busy creative person in mind. So basically, as far as I see it, creative people need a handful of things in order to feel their best at the gym. They need strength training workouts that actually help them get strong. So not these like super high intensity group training workouts where you're lifting light weights and not taking any rest. You need to slow down, use good form and move some heavy ass weights. You need targeted mobility work. So basically, A lot of creative people have similar patterns of tightness and stiffness. So musicians that hold an instrument in one hand are going to be tight and stiff on that shoulder. Um, You know, people who are on their feet all day, people who sit at desks all day, certain things are going to be tight and stiff. And so in our training, it's a great opportunity to do some mobility drills and stretching to loosen up those areas. And that combined with the strength training can make a big difference in how you feel and move. And it might even reduce your risk of some of the overuse injuries that creative people tend to be prone to. The third thing that you need is some intelligent cardio. Strength training can help you give back, uh, get back energy because you become a better mover and so you just use less energy moving around. But building your cardiovascular system, so basically the ability of your body to produce and use energy, is really going to move that dial in terms of having all-day energy focus and creativity. And as far as I'm concerned, 
high intensity all the time cardio is not going to get you where you want to be. It's really going to run you down and it's actually not building that solid aerobic base of low intensity. Um, that's really going to make a difference when it comes to energy. So we need to be more intelligent with our cardio training and we need to make sure we're actually doing it. And then, of course, we need things like consistency and systems that make it so that we actually show up to the gym because we can talk about optimal training um, forever. But if you're only training once a week or not even that, it really doesn't make much of a difference. So I thought about all these things when I put the program together. There's two strength training workouts, again, geared toward building real strength and quality movement. There are lots of different mobility drills sprinkled throughout that are going to help you feel better and feel less stiff and achy. There are two cardio workouts. You could do them both or you could just pick one. They're both designed to um, build different aspects of your cardio fitness that are relevant to those busy uh, creative lifestyles that you're living. Um, and then the fact that it's a program with ways to track and clear uh, markers of progress, it just makes it a lot easier to show up and know what to do so that you can stay consistent and have fun while you're kicking ass at the gym. So all this is going to be released probably next week. I'm putting the finishing touches on it right now. So stay tuned for more information on that. That's the fall fitness kickstart for creatives. It's going to be totally free. All you'll need to do is download it and then you can you know, hit the ground running after Labor Day with your fitness goals and stop feeling like shit. Cool. So I hope some of you will download the program and I'd love to hear how it goes. Of course, I will talk about it more in subsequent episodes when it is available for download. So in today's podcast, I want to tell you a little bit of a story, personal story first, because this is a topic that is really near and dear to my heart. And then I'm going to give you 10 practical strategies to work through this problem. Now, I don't want to paint creative people as a monolith because I know personally lots of musicians and artists who were athletes, um, who've always liked to work out, who love being outside and hiking and playing sports, who never really felt um, ostracized from sports and exercise or the athletic community in general. However, there is an equally large, if not larger group of people who are more like me, who were nerdy, um, you know, however you want to think about that, who were perhaps picked on or even bullied, who never felt like they belonged with the jocks or never really played sports. I was that kid, and I'm going to talk more about that in a second, and I know a lot of creative people also fall into this category. So what do we do as an adult if we have all these bad past experiences, you know, all this baggage, perhaps even trauma, and it's all related to exercise and sports? But we know like, okay, I can't avoid moving my body or exercising because I know I want to feel good and I want to perform at a high level and I need exercise to do that. How do we reconcile these two things and how do we carve our own path as an adult that feels good and, you know, pushes us but isn't placing us in positions that make us feel unsafe or like we don't belong? There are a lot of ways that we can move through this challenge, but I do want to validate that it can be really scary and really intimidating. Again, especially if you had really bad past experiences on a sports team or in gym class or something like that. So let me tell you a little bit about my own experience. I talked some about this in episode one where I shared my big picture story. So if you want to learn more about that and how I um, moved through my personal weight loss and battled with my eating disorder and stuff, you can definitely check that episode out. When I was a little kid, 
uh, I grew pretty quickly compared to other kids. So when I was in like second or third grade, I was like at the 99th percentile of height, basically. And as an adult, I'm about 5'8", so I'm not especially tall. I'm not, I'm not short. I'm probably right in the middle. But I was much, much taller and bigger than other kids my age. And that made me stick out as a kid. So my parents made me play a lot of sports. Um, they were both athletes to some extent, my dad more than my mom. And it was important to them to have kids that were active. And especially kids that were active in the water because they were both swimmers and my dad was a, um, a pretty high level competitive kayaker. So from an early age, I was learning how to swim and on swim team and around other kids in a bathing suit. I also played a whole bunch of other sports. I'll just give you a quick rundown. I was so bad at pretty much everything I tried. I took some figure skating lessons and literally the first day I was on the ice, I tripped walking onto the ice. I don't know if you've ever been to an ice rink, but there's like a really slippery ledge where the door hinges and I tripped on that and I landed flat on my chin and I had to go to the emergency room to get stitches and I still have that scar to this day. <laughs> ice skating lessons lasted only about until the point where they were trying to teach us to skate backwards, which I absolutely could not do and wanted to quit. At a later point, I was playing basketball at the JCC, which is a Jewish community center. And my parents tell me that I was so bad that my goal was to make a single basket in a game. And I did not achieve that goal. Later, I played a lot of soccer at the YMCA. And I don't know, I just was not very good at it. I never really scored many goals. I hated all the running. I was mostly looking forward to, uh, if you ever played YMCA soccer or something like that, parents at the end of the game would bring snacks basically. So you'd have like Capri Sun and Kool-Aid and all kinds of little Debbie weird snack cake things. And that was always like my highlight of the soccer game. <laughs> um, later on, I became a more serious swimmer. Like I already mentioned, I was already this like kind of bigger, awkward kid who had developed earlier than other kids. So even before I got to a point where I, you know, was overweight or had obesity, um, other kids picked on me a lot for being chubby, basically. And I honestly, when I look back at the pictures, I feel so bad for my younger self because I really was not chubby at all. I certainly didn't deserve, nobody deserves to be treated that way, but it was so misplaced and it really was just unfortunate because I happened to mature and grow sooner than other kids. But on swim team, there's really no way to hide your body because you're in a suit, you know, you're changing in the locker room, you have to take showers and stuff like that. And just the bullying about my size and people calling me fat and chubby was so relentless and it just got worse and worse as I got older. In addition to that, I was always kind of a weird nerdy kid. I was quiet. I liked to keep to myself. I would like make up stories in my head, <laughs> you know, be spacing off, doing all kinds of things off by myself. And other kids picked up on that and they were really mean to me about it. And so just a combination of bullying for my size and the way I looked and then also being bullied because I was a little bit different or I didn't seem to fit in with the athletic kids. Um, it just really got to me. And it became, like I said, really intense at certain periods of my, you know, young athletic career. And it really affected me and it really made me feel terrible about myself. And of, of course, on top of that, I wasn't like that great of an athlete. So not only was I, you know, I didn't feel like I was achieving very much or that like I didn't really enjoy being there, but I was being picked on and I, I continuously got the message in all these different ways. Like, you're not good enough. You don't belong here. Like, this isn't for you. And I carried that with me for many, many years. Eventually, my parents finally let me quit sports. I had to go all the way through my sophomore year of high school, which meant that I was on high school swim team, 
which meant lots of like 5.30 in the morning practices, which was absolutely miserable. So you'd wake up early, go to practice, shower, smell like chlorine basically all day long, go to school. And then right after school, you'd have to go back to practice and you'd do more swimming or you'd do what they called dry land, which was basically like weight training or running stairs or all kinds of terrible things like that. And I just hated it and I was so miserable and I wanted to quit so badly. At the same time, I was also getting really involved in music and the arts. I had always been involved with these things as a young kid, but as I got older, it was clear that I was talented and I recognized that I might have some potential to take that in a professional direction. And all I wanted to do was practice and listen to music and like hang out with the friends that made me feel good. And instead, I was forced to go to practice, forced to be around these people that were mean to me, forced to be in a situation where I felt just terrible about myself and that really eroded my self-esteem. And this bullying and, you know, all this pressure, it just stuck with me for many, many years beyond the point where like I wasn't on swim team anymore, but I didn't want to exercise at all. Like I didn't want anyone to look at me in gym clothes. I didn't want anyone to see me like running because I was self-conscious about the way my body looked. And of course, as I became less and less active, everything just became a lot harder as well. So when I wasn't exercising or moving that much, when I did have to do physical things, they took a lot more out of me. I was more winded. I would feel sore. I would feel weak. And that just fed the cycle, encouraging me not to be active, not to show my face at the gym, and to avoid any kind of exercise or athletic pursuit at all costs. So I got away with this for a long time because, again, I was in high school. I was really involved in music and I was pursuing that, which means a lot of auditions and summer programs and honor bands and the whole shebang. When I got to college, I was I had gained quite a lot of weight. At that point, I could technically be considered obese based on my BMI. And I wasn't doing a whole lot of movement, but college was a big shift for me because, first of all, I was coming from Omaha, Nebraska, where basically you drive everywhere. There's very little walking. You basically walk from your car to the building and then back to your car and then to the next building. When I moved to Evanston in Chicago, even just on Northwestern's campus where I went to school, uh, music buildings were on different side of campus. So I had to walk and carry instruments and often heavy bags of music back and forth. And I would have classes on different parts of campus. And uh, if I wanted to go downtown, you know, there was more walking to the train and stuff. And so there were a lot more physical demands on me. And I was so out of shape that it, it really made me feel like shit. So I had no energy. It was hard to stay awake in classes. I would get winded easily. And then I still had all this terrible self image and self-confidence partially from my many years of being bullied and partially because at this point, like I mentioned, I was in a much bigger body and I was really self-conscious about stepping on stage and performing. What eventually made me reconnect with exercise was this health care that I had between my freshman and sophomore year of college. I went home for a routine checkup and then my doctor told me that I was pre-diabetic. And this really scared the shit out of me because I was 19 years old, facing a lifetime of chronic illness that in my case was probably preventable. And so I recognized that in addition to making nutritional changes, I really needed to find a way to exercise again. Now, I had spent so long avoiding the gym and exercise and kind of disassociating myself from all things sports and exercise that this was a really big and challenging leap for me. Now I was in college and so I was basically training at campus gyms and I'm not sure how it is at lots of schools but at Northwestern the main campus gym was basically full of frat bros and sorority girls. So a lot of people that were a whole lot skinnier, um, a whole lot in much better shape than me, people that would sort of at least 
I felt like stare at me when I was in the gym, like I didn't belong there. So I sort of had to revisit and throw myself back into some of the things that I dealt with in my childhood and into high school. But at this point, I knew that I didn't have a lot of choices and that the trade-off for not exercising had become a lot more um, intense. It was no longer just, okay, maybe you feel like shit and you're just avoiding this thing. Now it was, okay, your health is on the line. And so that motivated me to figure it out and show up. So that health scare happened in 2011. So now it's been more, you know, more than 10 years since then. And my life, especially my life in relation to movement and exercise really could not be more different now than it was at the start of this journey. At the start, like I said, I hated to work out. I was super out of shape. I really didn't know what I was doing at all in terms of exercise. And I was so self-conscious and and just really did not like being in the gym or being around people that were exercising. Now, of course, my whole career is all about fitness and movement and exercise. Like it's very hard for me to overstate what a dramatic transformation my relationship with exercise and gyms and movement in general has been. And even more than losing weight, learning to eat better, all of that stuff, I really think that the most rewarding part of my personal fitness journey has been this change in relation to movement. Now, movement is, um, you know, it's a part of my life that I cannot live without. So my mental health, my physical health, my relationship to myself and my body, my ability to do the things that I like to do out in the world are all dependent on me consistently exercising and moving my body. And I can't imagine ever going back from this point. Of course, illness, injuries, accidents all happen, but I like to think that at this point I would find a way to work with whatever happened to me. So I want to share some of the things that I did personally to make this shift and also some things that might work for you or that have worked for my clients. So this is for anybody who has had some bad past experiences, whatever they may be with gyms or sports or exercise, is probably some sort of a creative person or maybe identifies as a nerd or a little bit of a former misfit like me and who now as an adult knows that not exercising is no longer an option because it's preventing you from feeling good and living your best life. So let's do something about it. So I have 10 practical steps here that you can take to kind of work through these bad past experiences or baggage with exercise and build a movement routine that feels good for you. So number one is to join a gym that feels right. Now, if you're in college like me and you didn't have money for a gym membership and you only went to the campus gym, this probably wouldn't apply to you. So if you don't have a lot of control over what gym you belong to for whatever reason, you'll have to make make do with some of the other tips that I share. However, a lot of people, especially creative people, have a lot more options than they realize. If you live in a big city, there's not only the big kind of globo box gym chain options. Most big cities now have a lot of smaller boutique gyms. So these could range from like a gym that you have a membership and train whenever you want to, to a semi-private gym, which is basically like you would maybe train with a group of five other people under the eye of a couple of coaches and they would have customized programs. There are group training gyms where you train with a bigger group of people and you all do the same workout. There are different personal training options and each gym kind of has its own vibe. Not all gyms are super bro-y or douchey. Not all gyms are full of people with chalk, dropping weights, making a lot of noise. You know, I personally like that, but I know it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. 
there are a lot of gyms that are specifically geared towards people who don't like traditional gyms. And a lot of gyms now are even geared toward artists or creative people or even theater nerds. You know, these are the kinds of people that train at the gym. And so the whole vibe is different. The atmosphere is different. So if possible, if you, especially again, if you live in a big city, like especially a really big city, like I know specific gyms in places like New York and California and Chicago that have a much, much different vibe intentionally than these big commercial gyms that you might have had a bad past experience with. But really any city of any size probably has more options than you think. So if you have some flexibility and you have some power to make a decision, I encourage you to shop around. Go to a gym, do some workouts there. A lot of times you can get a guest pass for free or especially if it's like a boutique gym, they probably have some sort of cheaper or free onboarding option to let you try stuff out. Talk to other members, see if the people are friendly, if they seem kind of like you or they seem like your type of people. Walk around, observe. Don't be in a rush to just join the most convenient or the cheapest gym if the vibe and the environment are really important to you. So shop around, find a gym that feels like a good fit for you. The second tip, so this would apply, I mean, it could apply to any gym, but this is especially relevant if you have to train at a gym that you don't really like or you don't really like a lot of the people there, and that is to train during off hours. So this is good advice in general for crowded gyms. Um, In my experience working at gym, I worked at commercial gyms for many, many years, and I can tell you that almost always the slowest hours will be when the gym opens. So if they open before 6 a.m., so like let's say 5 a.m., 5 to 6 um, will be slow. Usually from 6 at 6 a.m. it starts to pick up. And then again, a very slow time is typically that mid-morning. So anywhere from like 8.30 to 9 to 11 to 11.30. That's one of the slowest times at any gym. Later in the afternoon, um, some gyms more so than others. Some gyms are very dead between like 1 p.m. and 4 or 4.30. Some have a little more trickle of uh, patrons coming in. And then typically after like 7 p.m. to when the gym closes is going to be slow as well. So if you hate crowds, you hate bros, you hate people hogging equipment and chatting and looking at you and making you feel uncomfortable, try to go to the gym when there's just less people there. So look at your schedule, think about when you typically feel good or when you like to exercise and see if you can modify things to train during one of those slower times. The third tip is just to avoid the gym entirely and work out at home. So A lot of my creative clients, especially my professional musicians who have really varied schedules with lots of different demands, do most of their training at home. It's just easier. You don't have to worry about the hours of a gym. You can, you know, practice and then immediately go and do a short workout and then, you know, eat lunch and then run to a gig. You have a little bit more flexibility. So especially if you're practicing at home or if you have some kind of studio space or you're working at home, Building a little mini home gym can really, really help make training more convenient. And then, of course, you don't have to worry about other people. You don't have to worry about what you're wearing or what you look like. You don't have to wear shoes. You can do whatever the fuck you want because it's your own home. Now, you could spend like literally thousands of dollars building out a real gym at home. And if you're a homeowner and you like to work out and maybe you have a garage or a basement space, that might be a great investment. But it's not necessary to have good workouts to spend that kind of money. I put together last year a free guide called the Mini Home Gym Master Plan, which you can download. I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. You can also find it at the link in my Instagram bio, and my handle is at Caroline Juster. Now, in that 
mini home gym master plan, I lay out basically low cost, small and portable pieces of equipment that you can use to train hard with at home. So things like a TRX, different types of resistance bands, sandbags, kettlebells, stuff like that. So if you know you want to work out, but you just cannot be bothered with a gym, you really hate gym people, or there's no good, you know, better vibe gym options near you, consider building out a home gym and doing your training there. Number four is to find like-minded workout buddies. So going to the gym by yourself can be really intimidating. I know that when I was first lifting weights at my campus gym, I just felt like everybody was looking at me and like, who is this like weird, you know, fat chick who's kind of wandering around the weight room looking lost and looking scared. And I mean, people probably didn't pay any attention to me, but I really felt self-conscious. And a lot of times when we have just one other person with us, we feel a lot more comfortable and we're a lot less worried about what other people think because we know we're not alone and we know someone's there that has our back and that understands us. So a like-minded workout buddy could fit in a lot of different categories. If you're new to training, it could be someone else who's new to training. Um, Or it could be someone who's more experienced who could help you out. It could be someone with the same basic goal as you or someone who wants to do the same type of training. Or it could, you guys could be doing totally different workouts, but it could be you and your best friend or one of your favorite people. And you just show up to the gym and check in together and then you kind of go off and do your own thing. There are a lot of ways that you could take this. But again, the idea is to have other people there because it props us up, it supports us, and it makes us less self-conscious. And we don't feel like we're there on our own because we literally have somebody else in our corner. Number five is to find a supportive online community. Now, Working out with people together is great, but some people it's not, you know, don't really like it. Me, to be honest, I don't really like having a workout buddy. I kind of like to do my own thing. A lot of times people might not have access to a workout buddy or maybe your schedules don't align, Um, but you can still find community and support on the internet. Actually, one of the very, very best things in my opinion about the internet and about social media in particular is the proliferation of these like groups and forums. So, for fitness, for your hobbies, for different things in the arts, for like really any interest that you can come up with, there's going to probably be a Facebook group or some sort of internet forum. And if you look hard enough or you get referred by other people, there are some that are really great and really supportive. Like honestly, great positive places to be, to connect with people, to have cheerleaders, to ask for help when you need it. Um, For fitness, one that comes to mind that I really love is this group called Eat train progress so it's run by a coach named patrick umphrey and the vibe in the group is super supportive people are really helpful it's funny um there's kind of like little kid humor um it you know nobody takes themselves too seriously people are really nice and i've been in that group for some time i'm more of a lurker in that group than an active poster I'm, i'm a little more active in some other groups for other hobbies of mine but i just love seeing the the support and the vibe and the encouragement in the group so if you're looking for a fitness group that's more geared toward, um, it's not super broy. let's just put it that way, that's a really fantastic group. But it, that doesn't have to be the only thing that you're in. You know, there's lots of different groups and communities. If you really want support, you want people to connect with, like I strongly encourage you to find it online if you cannot find it in person. Number six is to really go out of your way to make yourself feel comfortable when you're training. So, Let's say you found the right gym, you know, you're going at the ideal time, Um, you know, maybe you have a workout buddy or you have some friends online that you're checking in with. You still have to actually show up to the gym and do your workout and sort of be there in your body in the moment. 
And so it can really be helpful to make yourself feel comfortable in a variety of ways. One way would be like wear the clothes that you want to wear. So some gyms will have specific rules on attire, but you know, as long as you're not breaking those, just wear whatever you want to wear that's going to make you feel comfortable. For some people, that might be a really expensive matching pair of leggings and a top and really nice shoes. For other people, more like me, it's like a ratty old t-shirt and a pair of shorts. You can look as nice or as not nice as you want to at the gym. You can wear your hair any way you want to. You can wear hats, anything that's going to you know put you at ease. Don't feel like you have to either dress up or dress down. Really just do what's going to make you feel good in your own skin. Another part of this is that if music is helpful uh, for any reason, I encourage you to bring headphones to the gym. For me, I love music because it puts me in the zone for training. It helps me kind of focus and dial in on what I'm doing. Um, Sometimes music can help amp you up for stuff. Other times, just having headphones in can prevent creeps and weirdos from coming up to talk to you at the gym. So it's a nice little barrier, almost like a do not disturb sign that you're wearing. Um, All of that stuff can be beneficial and help you feel more at ease. So wear what you want to wear. I definitely encourage getting good shoes that'll help you feel better, help you feel more confident. And then if you feel best with music, like bring your headphones um, and train with them in. Number seven is to show up to the gym with a plan. So you maybe have had this experience that I've had where you show up to the gym and you don't know what you're going to do and you just kind of wander around like you feel like a total fucking clueless idiot and you're sort of looking at people to see what they're doing but you're trying to be subtle about it so they don't worry that you're staring at them and you try a machine or an exercise but you're not sure how to do it and you feel kind of awkward and you just sort of wander in the gym doing random things. A lot of people do this, especially when starting out, and it's, first of all, a bad recipe for results, Um, but second of all, it's going to make you feel uncomfortable. One of the um, pillars of feeling motivated and feeling confident and comfortable is this concept of uh, competence, which I'm going to also talk about in the next point. Competence is feeling like you know how to do something. You can think about something for your art or for your work that when you first tried it out, you were kind of insecure and you didn't really know how to do it and it was shaky, it took you a while, you didn't want to perform it in public. But once you figured it out and practiced, you felt a lot more confident you could do it on stage or it became more second nature to you. That is the same thing that we're going for in the gym. And one way that we do that is that we show up with a plan or a workout program and we just follow the program. We don't have to make decisions. We don't have to wander around feeling like a clueless idiot. We know what we're supposed to do and we go and we just execute it, okay? So it saves us time, it takes guesswork out, and it makes you feel more comfortable because you know what you're doing and you know where you should be. And so you don't have this like inner dialogue of, should I be over here? Should I be doing this? Oh, that person's doing that thing. Should I try that? None of that. You have a program and you follow it and it just, you know, makes you feel a lot more comfortable at the gym. Number eight, so I said I was going to talk about this again, but just building competence in general. This was really huge for me. Probably the biggest shift in my personal relationship with exercise was after I'd been lifting for a while, feeling like I didn't know what I was doing. And I started to do more research. I started to get more into fitness, which you don't necessarily have to do. But even just with practice, you just learn how to do stuff. You learn how to squat, you learn how to deadlift, you learn how to unload and put weights away, you learn how to set stuff up, organize a workout, you know, you just feel like, okay, I know what I'm doing. And that builds tons of confidence and it makes you feel like, okay, I actually do belong here at the gym. I actually can exercise. This actually is for me in my own way. So 
This could again be following a program. It could be doing some research or watching videos or reading on your own. If you're really unsure and you have the resources to do so, hiring an experienced coach is a fantastic way to build competence because you have someone in your corner who's going to help correct you in like an empathetic way, who's going to guide you and who's going to, you know, ideally work so that you know how to do stuff on your own and you're not just reliant on other people. So whatever's feeling insecure or like you don't know how to do it, look for ways to get better at that thing become more competent and you'll build a ton of confidence and you will feel much more at home in the gym or whatever form of exercise you're doing. Number nine is to do stuff that you like. Look, I'm a big believer in strength training or resistance training. I really think everybody should be doing it in a perfect world. But if you're really, really struggling with the gym and really struggling to get going and you're not so sure about weight training, but you love yoga or you love rock climbing, or you love, you know, I don't know, taking a dance class or something like that, I strongly encourage you to do the exercise or movement stuff that feels good and that you enjoy. A lot of times when we start doing this, we start moving more, we start to feel some of those initial benefits like more energy, uh, fewer aches and pains. You know, we have more motivation to potentially do other things as well, like maybe doing more dedicated cardio training or doing more strength training. First of all, we just feel more at home in our body and more comfortable, but we also might be motivated like, oh, you know, my strength is holding me back in this thing I like to do. So lifting might help or my endurance kind of sucks when I'm doing this activity that I really like. Okay, maybe I could add in some cardio. So things just start to work together. Even if you're someone like me who likes to work out, I mean, who likes to lift weights or do cardio, you'd like to run, whatever. I encourage you to have some movement stuff that you do in your life that's just for fun. This doesn't have to be every week or even every month. It could be a backpacking trip that you take a couple times a year, or maybe during the summer you do some open water swimming or something like that. Or again, you take a class or play rec sports when they're in season, like have some stuff that's just for fun because we don't want to take ourselves too seriously with movement. And really the whole point of this conversation is like to reconnect with the joy of being in our bodies, moving, connecting with our bodies, and that helps us in so many ways, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So training shouldn't all be serious. I do think that it's important to have some things that are just for fun. And if you're really struggling to do anything, I would prioritize the stuff that's fun and then see where that takes you. The final thing, number 10, that I want to say is that if you have had bad past experiences with exercise or like baggage from being bullied or, you know, stuff that like what happened to me, I think we need to embrace this concept of separating the past from the present. And let me tell you a little more of a personal story to explain what I mean. So I mentioned earlier that I was on swim team for many years. I was bullied tremendously on swim team. I was not very good. At the end, I had to do all these practices and all this shit that I really hated. And I just was so miserable on swim team. And I came to connect being on swim team with like everything that was wrong in my life, which of course wasn't the case. I learned later. But when I was able to quit, I was so relieved. And for many years, even though I was a good, you know, a good swimmer compared to like, I wasn't a good competitive swimmer, but compared to the average person, I was a good swimmer. I, I didn't really swim at all. Like if I was on the water on a boat or for some reason I would swim, but I never purposefully went swimming for years, probably even more than a decade. Very recently, um, 
well, I guess it started when I worked at my last commercial gym job, there was a pool. And actually, I started doing some pool training for people like triathletes and stuff because there were no other trainers on staff that had any swim experience. So that was sort of my first reintroduction. And then I was like, okay, maybe I could get in the pool and swim a little. And I did a couple of pool workouts and I was just pleasantly surprised at how nice it was to just get in the pool and swim and not worry about how fast I was or racing anybody, having my own lane, not having like a million people kicking and pulling me and all the things that go along with swim team. And then once I left that gym job so more recently, I got a membership at the Chicago Public Parks, which have a lot of indoor pools. You can get a pretty cheap monthly membership and go to lap swim. And I found that lap swimming was so nice. Like, I loved being in the water. I loved that feeling of swimming. Like, it felt so relaxing. It was, you know, almost like a mindfulness exercise because there's no headphones, no music. You're focusing on your breathing. You're counting laps. And after my swims, I just felt so good. And I had this realization where I was like, okay, (laughs) I hated swim team and I hated being on swim team and I hated most of the people and everything that it kind of represented. But I actually really liked to swim. I liked to go to the pool. I liked the feeling of being in the water. I liked that type of exercise. And so I was able to detach my bad experiences on swim team from the actual activity of swimming itself in order to find that I actually really like to swim and I want it to be a part of my life and I want it to be something that I continue to do on my own terms, in my own way. So whatever your bad past experience was, whether it was a gym full of people that made you feel shitty or a bad coach on a team that sort of berated you and um, embarrassed you in front of other people, or if it was the fact that you always felt like you weren't very good at sports or you got picked on in gym class, like try to separate the experience that you had in the past from the actual activity or the exercise involved because you might find that without all the baggage and without that environment and without that old context that the activity itself actually feels good and is rewarding to you now this might not always be the case but I do think that it's worth exploring if you are really struggling to move past things that happened years ago so just to summarize I really want you, if you're struggling to exercise because you feel like you don't fit in or you had bad past experiences, to consider that as an adult, you have the opportunity to move forward in your own way and to do shit in ways that jives with your personality and your values and is going to make you feel good and not bad. And here are 10 um, ways to kind of go about that. The first is to join a gym that feels like it has the right vibe, environment, and clientele for you. The second is to go to your gym during off hours when there aren't a lot of people there. The third is to work out at home, build out a mini home gym and train in the comfort of your own house or apartment. Number four is to find like-minded workout buddies, either people with similar goals or experience or just perhaps people that you really like that are going to make you feel more comfortable when you go to the gym. Number five is to find a supportive online community. There are actually a lot of really great online fitness or communities for artistic and creative people on the internet. These are communities that will support you, that will cheerlead you, that will help you if you ask for it, and that won't berate you or make you feel bad. Number six is that when you do go to the gym, make yourself feel comfortable. Wear clothes that fit, that make you feel good, wear comfortable shoes, wear headphones and listen to music, you know, do what you have to do to kind of put yourself in a comfortable situation so you can train. Number seven, I had to look again, is to show up to the gym with a plan. So have an exercise program that tells you exactly what to do. So you're not wandering around the gym feeling lost or confused or like everybody's looking at you wishing you would figure it out already. 
Have a plan and execute that plan. Number eight is to build competence with training. Learn good form, learn how to do certain exercises, learn how to warm up and stretch, learn how to put a workout together. If you need help, the internet is there. I'm always there. You can hire a coach. Um, We are here for you to help you build that competence muscle so that you can feel more confident in whatever you're doing. Number nine is to do stuff that you like. This is especially important if you're struggling to exercise at all, but it's also important if you've been somewhat consistent or you do enjoy more traditional forms of training like lifting weights or running. Have some stuff that you do that's physical, that involves movement, that just feels good. And then last is to separate past from present. Just because you had a bad experience on a team doesn't mean that you won't like playing that sport in the future or that you won't like going to the weight room or running or swimming or whatever it is. Sometimes we just need to be able to approach an activity in a new environment on our own terms to find out that it actually does work for us and that we enjoy doing it. I hope this is helpful and honestly an empowering conversation for you. I really do believe that when we can build movement routines that we stick with consistently, we're going to feel much better. We're going to show up more fully in the world. We're going to have more energy and output to devote to the things that we love And if we're stuck in the past or worried that we're not good enough or that we don't fit in, we simply can't build those habits and routines. So look for ways to work through that stuff, have the courage, have the um, optimistic attitude, and you might find that you actually really do like to exercise and move your body. So as always, I love to hear from you. I'd love to hear if you like this episode. If you have questions or requests for a future episode, please hit me up on Instagram. My DMs are always open. My handle is at Caroline Juster, Caroline with an I and then J-U-S-T-E-R. Thank you so much and see you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.